Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Our guest is Pam Holloway. She's from Colorado. I want her to tell about her life. Just give a Pam when we turn it to you. Just take a minute or two to give your history, uh, places you've lived, what you've done, because it's quite an impressive history in my book. But she was, I call her the missing link of the future conference. When I met her, I met her through a mutual friend, Dr. Carla Dean Graves, on a Zoom call. And as soon as I heard Pam Holloway's guys, I need her at the future conference, and she'll be one of the speakers on a topic that most of you have not thought a lot about. And what she's doing, I think, is very entrepreneurial, highly creative, and very, very profoundly needed. It's the area of, um, well, I'll let her describe the agrarian, agrarian emphasis that she brings. Pam? It is so good to have you on this call today. Thank you for being on with us. And we're really eager to, let's just start with, first of all, a little bit about you. And then we're going to jump into a topic that I find extremely intriguing that I think people are going to really appreciate. Welcome, Pam. Well, thank you, Jim. It's awesome to be here. And it's an honor to be with you guys. Uh, my background started off as uh, just a small agrarian in Washington State and uh, graduated what out. Of what, is, what does agrarian mean? It means small local farmer, you know, agrarian activity. And actually, you know, we don't really think about it, but the original scripture on agrarian practices is the Bible. Yeah, it's very yeah. much the Bible. Yeah. And as, uh, as a I, farmer, as a farmer, I agree with that. I was raised on a farm. Yeah. So I started off in Washington State, graduated out of Washington State University. Um, I ended up with the Booby Prize, which was the uh, the nursing scholarship. Uh, for the military, and then from there lived in uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, then went to Heidelberg, Germany, and I was in Heidelberg, Germany and Mons, Belgium for a total of eight years, which was just amazing because of all the unusual type of career steps that I got to take as a result of that. I worked with environmental health, I worked with community health, I worked with everything that tied into what makes a community resilient and sustainable. Um, at the end of my time there, went back to uh, Virginia and was up there in the Beltway area out of Fredericksburg, Virginia, and working up in Crystal City. In fact, we're just going to be a few blocks from my office when we do the Wellverse um, Conference. Mm -hmm. And during the time there, took the Army Wellbeing Program worldwide. Um, saw some interesting things happen during the two particular administrations there, both Republican and Democrat and figured out it was time to go back to the soil and to really focus on soil and that if we could heal the soil, get in alignment with the soil, that we, everything else would function much more holistically as far as an alignment with God's plan. So we uh, went off to Idaho, 1200 acres, and we're very successfully running 1200 acres and having a great time there working with the community my husband was vice president of the uh, local food co-op. I was vice president of Rural Roots. We were doing all this great stuff. And then God decided he had another plan. And um, what happened was, is our family became very ill due to an environmental toxin exposure and uh, spent the next 40 months in a walkabout um, trying to figure out how to heal our children and uh, heal ourselves. And actually, that was the biggest blessing that ever happened. 
um, got out of that in uh, finally October of 2019. And then had, you know, this wonderful thought that we were going to make Aliyah, we were going to go to Israel in 2020, we were all ready to go. And uh, again, God had other plans. <laughs> and next thing you know, we were in the middle of COVID, at which point I met Carla Dean and things continue to move forward from there. Throughout that whole time, um, one of the things that my husband and I were working on was constantly work focusing on that agrarian movement, that agrarian focus. And now that's what we're doing here with um, the local church here, as well as moving it into across the region, across the state of Colorado, and really wanting to encourage churches across the country to move this direction. So let me just cut right to the chase. We have a food supply chain crisis that is burgeoning it, it, yes. it could it could come we're, we're hearing all kinds of warnings i'm not talking about just from say prophets i'm hearing it from secular sources mm -hmm. profound warnings they're not very pleasant to hear we hear supply chain problems on everything i can't get my books printed because i can't get the paper uh everybody can't get their can't get cars like whatever it is they can't get it now we hear the food supply chain is in a crisis situation potentially so you are organizing churches to do what? Walk us through this return to agrarianism and help us understand the significance of that. If I can just make this one more caveat, when sin entered the world, relationship was broken with God, with others, with self, and with the earth itself, the created order. So God cares deeply about the restoration of that. The word salvation, soteriology, means the salvation of not only the relationship to God, relationship to others, proper understanding of oneself, but even into the created order. And God has a, a, a theology of the land. God cares about the land. He cares about the soil. Uh, I won't take off on that one, but you are, um, you're touching on some things that I think have really profound theological significance but walk me through what you're doing with churches how are you training them because there could be some people as you know pam who are listening that what you share i don't mean to be melodramatic but it could be what you share could save their lives someday so talk to us you just nailed it with right relationship and the reality of the situation is going forward, we have this visual that the world is very much pressuring on us right now. And, and we need to keep that in front of mind. But at the same time, what drives our actions needs to come from what God tells us in that biblical perspective. Because what we focus on gets bigger. We co-create. We were born to co-create. Yes. We are always going to co-create and we get the choice of how we create. So with every thought we have, it's an act of creation. And that's actually been proven now with the physical proteins. So we really need to hold this captive, hold every thought captive. So even as we move forward into this time, no different than what happened in 2020 with COVID, where it was like, oh my goodness, the pandemic's going to kill everyone. We got to keep that little bit of learning back there in mind of, wait a minute here. That's what the world is saying. What does God say? And I'm not saying that we don't have issues in front of us. We do. 
but no different than the boy who brought his lunch with his fishes and loaves, they fed 5,000. And having been on the land, worked on the land, and had the opportunity to watch the miracles of what the Lord does on the land, I'm kind of looking forward to watching him do it again. So in a nutshell, just to, I really want to touch base on, on this biblical perspective first, because it goes all the way back to Genesis being in the garden. Mm -hmm. I mean, right back to Genesis 1.11, where, you know, the, the first thing that was already continuing to proliferate more life was the grass, right? Grass was to beget grass. I mean, that, that was right there in the very beginning. And then in our role as humans, I think we've kind of missed it a little bit in our modern time, because to be fully human in a biblical perspective is to know our place. It's as creatures linked to all the other creatures. It's as creatures that are de dependent upon the health of the natural ecosystem. So, you know, the Bible is an agrarian book and, and it's God's work as a farmer and a creator. And it provides the model for us in our own human behavior. So we really have got to nug into and do what we see our father do. And with the industrial revolution, we've really gotten a tear and a separation from that act of creation in the soil. And I think that's one of the things that's, you know, this stuff that's happening looks awful, but at the same time, it could just be a call back to basics and a call to blessings. I mean, I've, I've recently been walking alongside some computer engineer types that are constantly, you know, in the whole computer world. And he said to his wife the other day, I'd rather spend all day working with you in the garden than being back on computers. I mean, he is coming into life and relationship with his family in a way that he doesn't, you know, has not before now. So while a lot of this looks problematic and troublesome, I think we need to keep looking for the joyful pieces that we're going to find, you know, as we walk through this process. So what we're doing with Radical Resilience, the website is radicalresilience.health. Say, say it one more time. Radicalresilience.health. Okay. What we are doing is we are coming alongside the churches and the community and we're encouraging people, showing people how they can just get started. And there's three different areas to the food picture. The first one is, you know, go ahead and set aside just your three-week supply of emergency food, at least. You know, just get, you know, just at least get that three weeks in the bag of emergency food supplies so that if there's disruptions, you're ready to handle that. Okay, that's one thing. The second thing we're encouraging people to do is we're encouraging them to start growing things themselves. Just grow something. You know, it's, it's bringing your fishes and loaves. It's, you know, if, if all you can do is some sprouting on a windowsill, you can do some herbs, you can do a tomato in a pot, whatever it is, just get started. Get your hands in the dirt, start <laughs> engaging in that relationship and and walking forward in those components and then the third component we're really encouraging is for people to expand and engage their local food shed become a part of their community supported agriculture know their local farmer support their local farmer engage their local farmer people unfortunately have gotten really conditioned by the grocery store mentality which is I want beef. I can just go down to the grocery store and get my beef. I want chicken. I just go to the grocery store and get my chicken or my eggs or whatever. 
and they're not thinking about the lead time that goes into the production of those resources. So what ends up happening, I mean, if, if you want to get a cow, I mean, you're talking 18 month lead time for that farmer to produce that cow. And those are the types of things that people aren't thinking. And then the other component of it is really starting to get people to look at, okay, right now we've got people who are wondering where are they going to shelter their, their funds if they do have additional finances? What are they gonna invest in? The stock market's looking kind of cattywampus. Do we stay in, do we get out? Then there's other people who would love to grow and produce and do a lot more, but they don't have any finances. So there's the process of what we call slow money. Invest in your local community. Look at engaging in relationships and help that farmer, you know, get the additional greenhouse hoop house structure that they need in order to be able to grow. Help them with some of those types of things. Look at bringing things much more decentralized, much more local. The more we can decentralize, the better off we are. And what we don't think about is that when we're investing in that stock market when we're doing those types of things we're at, you know when we're purchasing from walmart things that i understand it's cheap what we're doing is we're sending resources from our community out of our community those resources don't come back very easily at that point we really want to try to keep the resources the community the interactions of the money and everything else right here in your local communities i'll give you an example 1% of the food for the state of Colorado is produced in Colorado at this point. There's literally a two-day food supply in wow. the grocery stores. That's it. Ooh. And Ooh. with what we're seeing now with diesel fuel, uh, we're starting to run into some issues. We just had an issue here within the past you know, few weeks where we had a large loss of cattle out of Kansas. And we experienced supply disruption right here with our own little local producer we are working with, because as soon as that 10,000 got hit in Kansas, guess what? They came after our cow. So the cows that we had lined up for people, all of a sudden were taken by Kansas. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we can't be thinking that we're islands. We're not. We are all interconnected. And the ripple over here is going to affect you. So you need to constantly move with the mindset of everything you do, producing not just for yourself and for your family, but producing more than you need so that you can give and help others around you. And also know and encourage and cultivate within your community, within your neighborhood, that same mentality. We have got to start looking out for each other and get beyond the, you know, the I'm going in and out of my garage door and I have no interactions with things that are going on around me. We cannot live as islands. So those are all the concepts that are kind of going forward right now as, as we're moving through this. That is, uh, that is extremely helpful. I want to go back and, and park on the second one for a moment. The three-week supply, that should be doable by most everyone. <clears throat> um, the second one, go there. the third one, collect, connecting with local uh, growers, farmers, um, that's harder, the bigger the metropolitan area, but that's still important and can be done. So we need to make no excuses, we need to do that. And so that's that's doable. I'm intrigued by your talking about networking, our importance. I tried to, uh, I, I say this to people so they won't get discouraged. I tried to get the people on just two streets around me to come together 
just mm -hmm. to process and think through if a man-made or natural disaster were to occur how's how are we I, I invited a guest in we met out in the street <clears throat> how do we do that i found pretty low interest uh yep. you have to slow with it and you have to keep nobody was interested in talking about being prepared i once interviewed the sheriff of our county the church i was pastoring at the time skyline church san diego three and a half million people and the sheriff of the entire county had i don't remember a thousand or two deputies i referred to this once before on world prayer network recently so i uh, I apologize for repeating it, but I said to him, uh, if there's a if there's a massive natural or man-made disaster, if it's massive, uh, what do we do? Uh, given the fact you have we have three and a half million people and you have I don't have to pick out a number, fifteen hundred deputies, whatever it was he has. And he he said, looked at me and I said, You're on your own. Now that was an honest uh leader telling us yes. you, you better be prepared for things. And and so don't be surprised if when you try to talk to your neighbors many of them are not interested in discussing it so you just have to find those who are and and work with those who want to work and 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 so don't become discouraged in emergency preparedness is a biblical construct mm -hmm. or, or god wouldn't have had the whole section about what happened in egypt saving the children of israel uh at that at that particular point i do want to go to number two um oh i, I we used to have a, a larger home when my, my first wife passed away i sold that went to a very very tiny home and the only growing room we have we, we have a, a tower garden you know what those are mm -hmm. and then we have some raised beds we bought and mm -hmm. we have some of those so we're trying to do the, and she's the she has the green thumb I, I have the farmer background but she's the one that does it now she's good but what can the average person do in that area and then how how are you give me a practical rundown how you're functioning in the life of a local church you're training a whole local church to begin to think collectively uh in terms of caring for each other in this arena walk me through some of the practicals that how does what? that look like well let me give you the very first practical and and jim you understand this um it really comes down to your pastor yep i mean I your, your pastor has to be willing to to lead that charge and and if you don't have a pastor who's on board man, you're fighting an uphill battle. So we're, we're very blessed here to have a phenomenal pastor who, who actually is very much stepped out and seems, a, a, you know, really visualizes a kingdom of God revolution coming to the Rocky Mountains. And so the way he's constantly approaching this as, yeah, there's stuff coming, but game on, let's go, hallelujah, this is actually a really good thing. Now you're in Colorado Springs? Yes, I'm in Colorado Springs okay well everybody's gonna want to come to your church so what's your church <laughs> <laughs> my church is the road at chapel hills uh we're very much human i mean we're, we're you know we one of the jokes we always have in our church is if you know if you've gone to a church and haven't gotten hurt yet just wait another week <laughs> we're, we're human um but we really try hard to to practice from a position of grace and, and walking alongside each other and, and helping each other as we move forward and um, of course, Colorado Springs is its own particular challenge because it's so dry here. Now, I will share one little miracle with you, and that is um, with the passing of Roe v. Wade and, and the overturn of the Roe v. Wade issue, we've had rain every day. And I am just praising the Lord um, over the scripture, you know, if we'll humble ourselves and seek his face, that he will heal our land. And, and that just praising over what I know from Deuteronomy 111 and things like that. 
That said, Colorado itself has a long road to go um, as far as, as what's going on with that whole picture. But I am how, seeing... I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued as a, as a pastor. How do you have this structured, organized in your church? Give me, a, give me a picture. If you were coming to me and say, hey, Jim, here's what we're doing in our church. You ought to do this in your church. Show me, give me a picture sure. of what this is going to look like. So what it looks like is the church is standing completely, you know, as a church in a normal church body. Radical resilience comes alongside and stands next to the church. And what we do is, is we provide the classes, we provide the website, we provide the education. Uh, one of the examples that we did is we stirred up something called Azure Standard. Um, and you can learn more about that on the website. Azure is doing a fantastic job of helping with food storage across the country. They also are helping with giving people starts. They also teach people how to grow from their website and things. It's a resource that's available across the entire country. And so one of the things that we did is we stood up a food drop site once a month at our church parking lot. Now, What's happening then is people are continuing to get going with their food storage. So they've got like the best price on wheat berries there is for people who are wanting to store wheat and beans and stuff like that. And then the other thing that's really nice about it is it's starting this activity of bringing people together. They're helping to unload the truck together. They're helping to sort things together. They're helping to, you know, and, and they're looking at what each other's ordered and it's, why did you order that? And next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't know how to do this. Can you teach me? So we're watching community integration start to come together. If you go back to your historical background from your farming background, you used to get together for harvest. You used to get together to pick apples. You used to do all of those types of things together as a community. So one of the things, while yes, we're very much focused on the, the pieces and parts and getting each person squared away, there's an intangible that is extremely valuable. And that is the fact that community is coming together and they're learning to work together again. It's so not just coming together. I'm going to break in this period here. A food sure. drop site. So a truck comes into your parking lot loaded mm -hmm. with, what would be an example? Uh, everything from frozen goods to dried goods to bulk food storage items to things that help you store items for food bulk storage, uh, to uh, live plants that people take home and plant in their gardens, you name it. If you were to think of like either Whole Foods or natural grocers or sprouts on base with a whole lot more, that's what comes in on that truck. Okay, and, and so people have ordered, mm -hmm. people have ordered, and, and so there are these big, bags bulk bags it can be all the way down to you know just uh single little containers of salt to huge 25 pound bags of salt okay so you you've arranged for this delivery based upon people ordering it yes basically okay. what happens is azure makes it so easy i'm just the drop coordinator there's drop coordinator sites that exist all over the country already Turns out that uh, the Northern Colorado Springs area is one of the biggest food drop sites in the country. So we but have people here that are aware. Fast. Going too fast for this guy. This Azure you keep referring to. Uh, yes. Maybe everybody on this call knows exactly what that is, except for me. So you're going to have to explain it just for me, <laughs> apparently. 
What Perfect. is that? Azure is a, if you were to go back to the old days of, of when the stagecoach used to bring in all the food and drop it off at the general store. I'm not that old, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, this is like the stagecoach coming in with everything that people have ordered, only now it's all online and it's coming in on the truck and then everyone shows up, meets the truck, unloads the truck, organizes it into everyone's individual orders, and then everyone takes their stuff home. It's and, just Azure, that simple. It, it is, is Azure, a, it's a place that orders and it trucks it in and mm -hmm. a, a host of items, you place orders. So it's, it's kind of replaced going to the local grocery store. It can, it absolutely can. What for a lot of people they have, a you know, depending upon where they live, they find that they have trouble accessing some of the things that they're wanting to access through their local grocery store. We have a huge issue with uh, food deserts in many areas across the country these days. It's hard to get nutrient dense food. And so this is one way that they can continue to access nutrient dense food supply and bring it in to them. Now, granted, there's issues with the fact that you're dealing with the trucking issue. And we're also, uh, Azure has not been immune to what's happened to all of the food processing plants across the country. They themselves had a fire. One of like 97 different food plants that had a fire. And miraculous, miraculous fires. Well, spontaneous combustion, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So, so Azure stand, I see someone's, Send me a note, azurestandard.com. Is that the name of it? That is the that is the website. It's accessible through the radicalresilience.health website. Oh, okay. And I actually really encourage people to access it through the radicalresilience.health website. And the reason for that is right there on the website, we have, you know, this is what you should look at doing for food storage. These are the things you should be thinking about. Here's your one-year food storage plan. Here's your your emergency one week food storage plan. We have all of that on the website in very simple ways mm -hmm. so that people can start walking themselves through. Now, okay, so we have the truck coming in. That's one thing. I assumed that what you might be talking about would include such things as a community garden. Am I wrong on that? Absolutely. Community gardens are extremely valuable. Right now, we just had a presentation. We have about 300 men that come together every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. for breakfast. And they sit around um, round tables in groups of eight. And we just had a presentation a couple of weeks ago where those men started coming together and literally putting in their skills, their assets, their talents and now we're starting to sort through that to see what are the needs, what are the skills, what are the assets and the talents that we have to work with. We have people who have land and they're saying, please come, come work our land. We have others that have hoop houses but don't have land to put them on. So we're starting to match up you know, some of what we have for skills as well as, as needs and assets and things like that. I want to keep saying this website because it's an unusual one given the fact it ends with the word health, but radical resilience as a ce ending not resilient radical resilience dot health and that's so it i want to encourage you to go there okay walk me a step further so you have organized the congregation in such a way i assume that the food that they're buying off the trucks are are 
not only uh, healthier, but is probably a bit less expensive and probably more in bulk. Am I correct on all three of those? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in bulk. Uh, it is possible to buy, like I said, a single salt shaker. Now, what we encourage people to do is if you buy in bulk, the prices are lower. So we do encourage people to buy in bulk. We encourage people, and particularly this is part of the whole food storage mindset. I mean, everyone thinks that they're going to run out of food and they're going to be in famine starving. And the reality of the situation is food insecurity in the United States does not look like famine starvation. Food insecurity in the United States looks like a lack of nutrient-dense foods, a lack of access to nutrients like amino acids, access to the, the high quality fats and access to some of the particular minerals in particular that are the building blocks to our health. So, you know, part of what one of the things that we have to think about, and, and this is something that goes back uh, from prior to COVID. I mean, if we go back to 2018, a lot of this was already kind of coming in at that point in time. It's amazing how well they can predict these things. Um, we were looking at the fact that we're going to have this loss of access in particular to our protein sources. And so just, I mean, it's, it's fabulous how they've already thought about this because what they're going to do is, is we're going to have access to things like fake meat. And so you'll have lab meat that will be available to you in your grocery stores. You'll have, you know, a lot of different types of food products that will be available to you. So there will be food. It just won't be the food that we're used to. And, and I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is that in the process of switching on to that artificial food supply, we're going to see significant deg um, degradation likely of uh, physical health performance as well as cognitive performance and and things like that in the human body so as people are thinking and moving forward what i'm really trying to get them to focus on is rather than how many cans of whatever can i store i really want them to start thinking about building blocks of what the body needs and one of the biggest things i think we're going to see issues with is with the amino acids and so when we start looking at things from that perspective, you know, if you go back to our heritage, if you go back to when we looked at things in the past, what are the things that were always most prized? What are the things that you really store? And one of the things I want people to be thinking about is I want them to think, think about storing real salt. I want them to think about storing things that have real mineral density to them because those are gonna become critical components as we continue to move forward. All of that information is on the website. Oh, good, yeah, so the nutritionist in you is coming out really strong now, and I, uh, that kind of leaves some of us in the dark. So uh, knowing that website's available, now that's <laughs> radicalresilience.health. Regretfully, I'd like to ask a lot more questions. We may have to go for a round two with you sometime. I'm gonna move us right into worship and into prayer. But Pam, I so appreciate you coming on, and I really appreciate you being willing to come to the future conference, you can hear her there, folks. Go to wellversedworld.org, scroll down to you see future conference, click on that one. You'll see 45 speakers. Pam Holloway is one of them. You'll hear at that event, July 2021. It's not too late for you to sign up right now, but we're going to roll right into 
our brother Alan Ingram leading us in a worship, and then we got some people going to pray for us and pray our way out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.